the rookie of the year conversation. You know, rookie of the year was just announced. Scotty Barnes took it. Uh, we had a disagreement in who we felt should be the winner. And you just called Evan Mobley the most important or excuse me, had the best season for the Cleveland Cavaliers this, uh, this past year. So give me your quick synopsis as to why Mobley should be holding a rookie of the year like sphere. I don't know why they shrunk the award this year, but the, just Dude. why he should be holding the the snow globe that is the rookie of the year trophy. Didn't they change like another award? Didn't they change the defensive player of year award to like something yeah. a lot smaller too? It used to be like this, like all well, this hardy wooden looking thing. And now it's just like a little, like you said, like it's a sphere. Like, I don't yeah. know how that happened. Like what multiverse these awards are coming from. Yeah, they're just they keep shrinking them. They're just like, ah, we can't put the money in uh, <laughs> to give them like a wooden base. So just give them like a glass ball and that's enough. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I wonder what the MVP trophy is going to be. It's going to be like a little figurine or like <laughs> or something like that. I don't even know. Maybe a gold chain. That would be cool. A gold <laughs> um, chain. So I actually I'm about that. I, you know, NBA, Adam Silver, if you listen to this podcast, you know, look into it. So my Mobley take. All right. One, I think he's the most important player on the Cavaliers, not only because of his future, but because of his like. So you like to talk with like pluses and minuses, right? Like that's a big thing with you when it comes to matchups, when it comes to a player like he's a plus here, but he's a minus there. You know, you keep adding them up. You know, you that's a way to like formulate like a complete game, a complete player and like where are his deficiencies? So Mobley, I thought, had, you know, some obvious minuses, you know, his free throws. Not great. 66% could be better, could be a lot better. Three-pointers, not great, shot 25%, but he was taking them. He took, like, one a game. Like, he knows that he needs to have that part of his game, so he kept taking them. So it's something I think is going to grow. And uh, and he also had a, almost two turnovers a game and only had, like, two and a half assists. However, with that being said, his passing, we've seen flashes of brilliance of a, from a seven-footer who handles the ball at the perimeter with Mobley. I, I, it's just there. If you watch the games, he can sling it and he knows the right reads. You just have to have plays written up for him. And a lot of our plays were written up to go through Garland, which is fair because Garland is great. But I'm just saying, if you watch Cleveland Cavaliers games, his two, two and a half assists to 1.9 turnovers, I don't think speaks volume of how good of a passer is. Now, as I continue again, back to the pluses and minuses, Gar uh, or excuse me, Barnes, has a lot of different pluses to his game, which I think helped him win Rookie of the Year, which was the things that I kind of mentioned, like with Mobley being a poor three-point shooter, Barnes is a solid three-point shooter. Mobley, statistically at least, not so you know playmaking or creating as many shots as he could, even though I think it's in this skill set as Barnes was. Barnes at times, especially with Fred Van Vliet out, was like the starting point guard for the Raptors, which is impressive as hell. So there's a lot of plus pluses on the offensive side for Barnes. I just think that the plus on the defensive side for Mobley, I think is generational. I think it's like basically it, like whoever is the best defensive rookie you've ever seen in your life, Anthony Davis or a, uh, or maybe I'll go even so far to saying like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or like, you know, whoever is like the best defensive rookie you've ever seen in the NBA. I think Mobley is somewhere in that echelon. After this season, after four games or five games into the year, I think he led the league in contested shots. And if you take a look at his fouls, they're relatively pretty low, like only two fouls per game for a guy who contests literally everything at the rim. I mean, only, you know, two blocks, almost a steal. 
it, it's just and we've seen it. I feel like every time I see someone go up against Mobley, like that's a that's not a mismatch. Guard, forward, you know, all star, whoever it is. Like I, it's uh, I don't know. I, I know I'm speaking myself around in a circle here about it, but I just feel like the size of the plus on the defensive side for Mobley was not only historical, but I thought it was also like kind of the reason why we became is a part of our identity. It, 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 we ran big ball because of guys like Mobley. We ran like this, this zone with Mobley at the top because of how great he is defensively. And like the Cavs zone was so unique all year defensively. Like with, I think it was like a one, two, one. I don't even know what the hell it was. To be honest with you, I watched it every year. It was just, it was basically, okay. it was basically just Mobley pick up the guy up top, and everybody else just kind of swing around. It, it just he impacted Cavaliers basketball, I think, a little bit more than Barnes impacted Raptors basketball. That's my take. I know okay, but go ahead. Yeah, that that last point I think is the best case you could make for Mobley is that he impacted the Cavs more than Barnes did, and I think that is an interesting point. You know. To throw out some counting stats for Scotty, who I guess I'm basically just manning in this one. 15 points per game, seven and a half boards, three and a half assists. Uh, you mentioned the threes. He takes one more three a game than Mobley, but he's at 30%. I think there's room to grow, but I could say the same thing about Mobley. Uh, so it's not like a jarring difference in that regard. I will say, you know, same, roughly the same shot attempts per game. They're both at around about 12 Two and a half fouls for Barnes to, I think, two for Mobley in that one. Turnovers, Barnes has a slight edge. It's minor, but I think the ball handling duties that Barnes has makes that stat look a little more impressive. And then, yeah, free throws. I mean, I can critique Mobley's like 66%. Barnes is sitting at 73 if you want to be generous, 74. So when it comes to just this stats by themselves, counting stats by themselves, uh, they're very comparable. I think... The interesting thing about the defensive argument is, and Mobley, who I've been extremely high on defense, his defensive potential. I mean, you know this for a fact. I've compared him to KG. I'm pretty sure I've said it on this podcast. I think he's the next version of Garnett in so many ways. His defensive instincts are second to none. His ability to move his feet in and around, basically from under the basket to the free throw line, I think are... I can say with some good confidence, top five in the NBA at the power forward center position, his his feet are great, like just immaculate as a rookie. The difference, I think, with Barnes, who is a bit smaller uh, in height, I think Mobley's a true seven footer. Barnes is, you know, six, eight, six, nine. Barnes can play against point guards and shooting guards with incredible confidence. Mobley, if you switch on, is fine. Like he's not getting barbecued really by anybody. The only difficulties he he has shown uh, routinely through the season are the actual bigs, like bigs that can bully in the paint. But there's only a handful that can do that in the league with real consistency. And he's a rook like he doesn't have the NBA body yet. He will eventually. And by the way, that was like KG's only flaw. So, so if Mobley just stayed the exact same and it would be like Joel Embiid, Jokic, like and then a rare like Valanciunas game where he drops like 27 on you, you'll take that every time if that totally was your agree. situation. I totally agree. So let me ask you this, because I think that a big part of our little our, our like three or four tweet Twitter beef 
was like you talking about how awesome Martins is defensively. Uh, I listened to your uh, podcast, you, Garden One through Five, with confidence. However, so who do you think is a more important defender? Not to their team, but like overall, if you had to say this, I want this defender or I want that defender, Mobley or Barnes in a team. So, and I think that's going to be the the interesting part about like the philosophical differences we may have. I think Barnes truly has the potential to be the shift guy where because he can guard one through five so well, and we've already seen it, actually. I, I say that he's the new shift guy. That's really not true. We've kind of already seen this. And his name is Draymond Green. I, I think Barnes honestly has that potential on defense. And he has a long way to go before I can actually say that with you know verbatim that he's that. He's not that yet. But my goodness, he has all the tools. Uh, great IQ. I just think he's very close to that. So because I've seen a model like that exist dominate this decade on the defensive end, I'm going to say Barnes. Whereas a guy like Mobley can be the most impactful defender on a team, can be the most impactful defender in a series. But just off of like the philosophy, I'm going to say Barnes slight edge. I do think it is a bit of a philosophical difference, as you're alluding to. But at the same time, I can't help but say that the NBA is headed a certain way right now, where it's like as tall as you can get a player with ball skills and defensive versatility, you want that. And Mobley, I think, confidently can guard guards and he can guard bigs and he can rebound. And his instincts I are... I mean, you were saying some things about like he's easily top five, one of the best uh, big defenders in the league. And he's 20 years old. I mean, I mean, I get like what you're saying about Barnes with the switchability, the shift in it, which is also funny because one guy you left off is on his own team with OG and Obi as far as just like defensive versatility. Like you got two of those guys in the same team. And that's 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 scary enough. I think that's a big reason why a lot of people in Philadelphia were terrified to play the Raptors. But, you know, you know, before I get too off topic, I think because of all those things I just mentioned about Mobley being seven foot, being able to guard the rim, being able to be at the top of the key on in a zone defense that's ushered around him as a 20 year old. I mean, I know Barnes is young as hell, too, being a rookie. It's just I I've never seen that before. I, I think with Mobley, it's it's more of a. Like, I, I know I, I've already, like, kind of thrown his name around with, like, Kareem and Anthony Davis, which makes me feel – and you said KG, which, I mean, now I'm getting into the point where I'm, like, expecting, like, an all-timer out of him. But, I mean, it would be – at this point, I think it's a disappointment if he's not an all-timer. He is that good. He is that good defensively. He is that great already. And I think the league, as much size as you can get out of – a defender I think is the better. And I just see Barnes, like he can confidently guard a five, but I don't consider him a rim protector and a perimeter stopper. Whereas I look at Mobley and it's like, okay, if you're going to sit here and run a one, four or one, five pick and roll, that's not a mismatch dude. And like, Oh yeah, you have a really good center on the, on the roll with a, with a, with a little pocket pass. I got the best rim, one of the best rim protectors in the league doing the same thing. And also, Mobley can be on every side of the court. Like, he runs like a madman. Not Giannis-esque, but, like, like the way Giannis moves from left to right on, on the court with help defense. Mobley has that in him as well. So, I just, again, 
I think the generational defensive prowessness of Mobley and talent of Mobley, I think, is is going to is going to result in something special. And we'll look back on this award and we'll be like, yeah, Sky Barnes, really good. Mobley, he just won his second MVP or Defensive Player of the Year award, and he's like 26. <laughs> no, I, I, okay. I just – that's where I see the world in four years. No, I can appreciate that. I, I think that I think that Scotty has similar aspirations as a player. I do think Mobley, we have more. I think it's fair to say you have more confidence in Mobley uh, reaching those potential, that potential and those potentials, I should say, overall, because we've got more comp and more examples in history to look at, you know, whether they are Anthony Davis's Kevin Garnett's. You know, uh, you know, I think Kareem to a degree, of course, Kareem had an offensive, you know, bag or package that, you know, f- supersedes all the players you've already named. But I think Barnes in time, if he is, you know, Draymond-esque, like I think he is with a, honestly just a better offensive package, I, I think he'll be in the same conversations as Mobley. Uh, the last thing with this convo before we move on, the Raptors or the Cavaliers, what roster do you like more just in general? And what roster do you think helped the other player more when it comes to Barnes and Mobley? What roster do I like more? I will say Cleveland because of the contracts and the age. I think there's. Oh, I'm sorry. Just like, we'll just say team. We'll just say team. We'll leave the money out for a second, but just players for players who you can throw out in a given game. Who do you like more? I think the Raptors. I'll go. Uh, listen, I hate to say it because I'm such a I'm a bit of a homer. I'm in, I'm honestly outside of comparing Evan Mobley to this, you know, the second or third best player of all time. <laughs> Just short <laughs> of that. Tr- I've been trying not to be a homer. Um, <laughs> I really genuinely believe that, though. I really think that he's got a, maybe not the all, all time top three great, but like the defensive ability of cream is what I'm alluding to before your Twitter world roast me which I don't think is that hot of a take, to be honest with you, but I'm going to move on. The The Raptors are obviously a better team than the Cavs, and it has to do a lot with their experience. You know, you have championship experience on this roster. You have players who have, you know, withered the tough the toughness of an NBA season, you know, last year with a lot of guys being hurt. And, you know, but before last year, being a perennial playoff team, the Raptors are definitely a, in a, a better situation, and Barnes adds to that. Whereas, again, you I don't know what the preseason projections for the Raptors were coming into this year, but the Cavs were expected to be terrible. And the only thing we changed about our roster, Texas, is, I mean, we had Ricky Rubio, which was honestly amazing for us at the beginning of the year. I was going to say, yeah, that's that's a big plus uh, for I, me. We're talking positive and negatives. Uh, I mean, Ricky Rubio is a plus. He shot 36% on in his 34 games played, however. Rick Rubio, I mean, he lit up Madison Square Garden like basically mellow-esque. Like he 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 sat there, had a Jeremy Lin, mellow LeBron's type Madison Square Garden performance low-key, and we'll never remember it because it's Ricky Rubio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um oh, that game was crazy. So, but like it's obvious that the Raptors are the only addition we had was Mobley. That's it. Like, like Mobley came onto this team as a pick and we just, everybody else just kind of tried to buy into what JB was doing. That's the other thing. The real awards go to like the coaching staff and the, and the general management for like leaving this team, getting the guys in the right position. So JB, uh, love him. 
But yeah, I will say Raptors. And that's also why I think the award should went to Mobley is because Red Van Fleet, he's a baller and defensive. He's a two-way, two-way borderline all-star. Um, he was an all-star this year. All-star this year. It, Pascal Siakam, I mean, we forgot back in 2019, he was the second best player on a championship team. And he's always been, third. He was you, third. Who do you Kyle, got? Kyle, come on. We're going to forget Kyle, about okay. big, big man Lowry. Well, but this is the thing about Siakam is he has, he's probably going to be all NBA 13 this year. I think yeah, that there, there's they, a strong likelihood that, yeah, that could if happen. We do, if they do the vote incorrectly with the positions, which I mean, who I know, listen, I know it's tough because like who's eligible for forward, who's eligible for this, yada, yada, yada. But Siakam, at the end of the day, I don't think there's a world where you don't say he is one of the five or six or seven best forwards in the league. And it, it was like that three years ago. It's still like that. So why is it? I mean, like Gar- Garland, to be fair, Garland and Allen are great. But like they, the, that Raptors team, in my opinion, was just seasoned to have a, a guy like Barnes come in and succeed. So uh, I'll, I'll say Raptors and I'll also use that as with my point to argue for Mobley. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, the only pushback I'd have is I don't think the, the Raptors added too much outside of Barnes themselves. I think if we were just to compare, you know, you mentioned Van Vliet, bona fide all-star absolutely deserved this this year, but so did Garland. So I think in a way they, I don't want to say cancel each other out, but you know, they work for this comparison. I think Siakam, who I agree probably will make a lot of people's all NBA third team. I said in the last episode, I think he'll just miss my ballot, but with games played and like what you actually do with those games, it's, it's very tough this year uh, with forwards, right. regardless, great player, former all-star, et cetera, et cetera. But Jared Allen also basically the same thing this year. And I think he kind of got overlooked in the initial go around when it came to all-star. So in a, to me, in a few ways, they, you know, match up well and kind of cancel each other out. I think that's where like the slight edge in that scenario for going through the rest of the rosters, you know, you throw in your OG and Anobis is probably better than any other Cavalier. Obviously, we're saying that like Barnes and Mobley are the matchup here uh, in, in that example. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think Cleveland was a really good spot for Mobley having an all star, all star elite passing guard in Garland having a top tier rim protector and finisher this season in Jared Allen. I think those two, you know, just by themselves are terrific catalyst for Mobley success. And again, it's not to take away from Mobley success because I mean, you don't win games by yourself. So mm-hmm. there, there is that, uh, but you already mentioned JB uh, and I do want to talk about bigger staff, you know, the other segment, you know, we'll do this with, you know, a bunch of other teams, uh, hopefully get a representative for everybody. But I do want to do, you know, a fans coach evaluation, basically. You know, what do you see? Again, we're not in the practices, hopefully at least not yet. But, you know, what do we see from these coaches? Uh, what do you think of Bickerstaff on offense and defense this year? And I mean, I think it's a safe assumption we want him to come back another another go around. I mean, I think we already extended him, so he's had an extension. Uh, Altman's got an extension. The uh, ownership has already decided that this is the direction we want to go. I think rightfully so. I think including that trade that swung Jordan Clarkson and friends to Cleveland in 2018, outside of like maybe a few moves here and there, there's not really any bad moves Altman's really made. Like It's been a process to develop this team. But the way it's come together this year, I mean, you got to sing the praises for the GM. 
But, you know, with what you're saying about Bickerstaff and the coaching staff, I think that's the real MVP here because you needed a certain kind of coach with a certain kind of scheme to be able to to work because that's what it is, right? It's like, okay, what does this coach do? How can this – because the coach's job is essentially to motivate and get players in their spots to win. However, everybody has different philosophies. Like your basketball philosophy is a little different from mine if we were to coach, you know, kids or whoever, you know. You would probably want to do things a little differently offensively and defensively than I would. Beckerstaff, his he was like, how do I put this? His his schemes and coaching philosophy was like the veal parmesan to the cab sauv that was the Cavaliers, like on the as your meal palette. It just mixed perfectly well. You you know, really nice sweet wine to go with a really tender piece of meat. Uh, the sauce was perfect. Like it because Bickerstaff primarily is a defensive guy, and offensively, you know, this team was a little limited. But with the talent of Garland, he was able to just run his pick and roll sets, and everything was fine. But the defensive talents of this team and the roster construction of this team was put together so perfectly by Bickerstaff. He did the best with what he had, and the rest was just on the players to buy in and grow from it. And they did. They did fantastically. I lo- I love that absolutely elite analogy of just Bickerstaff being a-, a beautiful additive to an otherwise great meal for a season. My goodness, I'm in. I mean, I gotta that might be the the quote, the takeaway uh, for the pod. <laughs> JB Bickerstaff is a veal cutlet. That's the title. <laughs> He's a veal cutlet. Oh man, I hope people can appreciate it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I fully agree. I think he was the right. The, the defensive mindedness of Bickerstaff, and he's brought that everywhere he's gone, whether it's in Memphis or being an interim coach, you know, before, like, what was this last season, right? This is his first full season, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, as full time. Yeah, took, took over a year and a half. So now he has like a year and a half under as a Cavs head coach. Right. Yeah. I, I love the energy he brought. I, it's, he cracks me up. He, he does every stereotypical coach pose, but never like no emotion whatsoever. It's always arms crossed. Feet are like just under shoulder width apart, uh, <laughs> but very limited pacing and ne- like nothing else. It's hilarious. I love how we're, bre- I love how we're breaking down like his like uh, uh, like what we see on the sideline from him, like his uh, what do you call it? his body language? I oh, mean, yeah. His body, it matters, though. Right. I mean, you see Doc Rivers throwing a fit five seconds oh. and having the worst fake laughs probably in the NBA. And, like it's, it doesn't man. read as well. Right. No, it surely it really doesn't. I, I was a little upset that this tweet didn't get like a, a little more, but I, I said Rivers is working on his tight five for the Laugh Factory and is not worried about adjustments. Dude was <laughs> out here cooking the refs and trying to get laughs from the media that he routinely roasts. Kills me. Really, it it hurts on the inside. Uh, that's why I have guilty pleasure teams. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, I mean, you kind of need it because of Doc. <laughs> for, he, he's he is like a Xanax upon himself. Um <laughs> But praising Bickerstaff again for a, a second, uh, body language aside, I, I just think he fits this team super well. I mean, you laid it out. I, I thought that, you know, their offense was super limited, at, you know, in the grand scheme of things this season. But Garland just being a wizard with the basketball and truly turned so many possessions from nothing into something really helped. And whether Sexton is a part of this team moving forward, I think he still have something. I think there is a very interesting triangle. Garland, Allen, pick and roll. 
and sprinkle in Mobley. Like I think once Mobley gets a little more comfortable with you know holding the ball and being the decision maker with it, uh, I think could make for some really interesting offensive wrinkles moving forward. Of course, you mentioned Okoro. Plus on the defense, he's not that on offense yet. Corner threes and cutting are, I think, what we both agree. We see that moving forward. That's what he needs to grow. Uh, and then after that, I mean, Kevin Love was your most impactful offensive player. I think he has one season left, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Oh my, listen, so it's he has one year left on this contract that's been, you know, second to John Walls, in my opinion, or Russell West, maybe third worst um but he kind of earned it a little bit this year with the way he's he's come back um another fun fact about kevin love before i let you go um or continue he he played the most uh games games played kevin love led the led the Cavs with 74 isn't that kind of nuts kind of nuts wow and the most gray hairs uh yeah yeah (laughs) he might lead the nba i mean it's either him or goran Dragic, right like those are the first two that come to mind a little bit more of a touch of gray he just kind of you know too many touches of gray like he's 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 like kind of past george clooney-esque he's in a world of his own with it when it comes to the the gray man look but uh, yeah he's gotten the last year of this contract and it's kind of interesting. So if we had to, and this is, uh, you know, I'm going to hand out some quick awards if you don't mind, Tex. Okay, go for it. So quick awards for this team. You know what? I think you just gave me one that I'm just going to go through. Best body language in the league as on the coaching staff or on the sideline, <laughs> JB. Okay. Best, like you it. know, like you said, enough energy, but not enough distress to be like, okay, we're ro- we're unraveling. Um, uh, the Cavaliers as a whole. Uh, best team that could barely score 93 points per game. Uh, I know that's probably not the actual stat, but sometimes it felt like we were just beating teams because they weren't scoring 90 on us. So, yeah, 93 points, we got that. We may have a chance, and I don't think I've ever seen another team in the modern NBA be able to be like that. Um, okay, Jared Allen, best hair, easily. Best yep. hair in the league. Yeah. Got to I mean, who else is out there competing with him? Do you got? Do you know anybody? Best hair. You know what? Uh, Twitter would say Josh Giddy. No, I mean, I mean, the dude has has some pretty good locks. I I love that Allen, not single handedly, but at least the majority leading the charge for keeping Afros in style. I saw like a picture of him like it was one of those like fifteen dollars build a team type thing. I swear they supersized his Afro because it was bigger than like an actual basketball. And I don't know if he just like he grew it out at one point. I just didn't see it that big. But no, I, I like the Allen pick for best hair. Best hair in the league, easily with Jared Allen. Let me see. I had I had another one that was a good one. I may have to circle back to it as far as um. Oh yeah, no Cavaliers get one more team award for 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 my ballot of awards. You know, since we didn't get the rookie of the year, I gotta hand these out. The best, uh, the number one most uh, uh used two K GM mode team. If you go in the two K, you go oh to my, my league or GM mode. Everybody would want to pick the Cavaliers. I, I just think I don't think that like if you look at the power rankings, I think we're number one. I don't think there really is a number two. Maybe Memphis. Memphis is really good and young, but I feel like with the contracts, with the the contracts that are ending, you know, all the other expiring, you know, Karis Levert expiring contract, Kevin Love expiring contract, like 
I just would have so much fun playing with this team. I've already had at least in four different GM seasons saved <laughs> on my 2K. I just don't I, – I mean, like, that's it. I don't think there's a better team to do it with. So, yeah, best GM team in the GM mode for 2K. That is, that is my uh, final award to give out to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow. Wow. Okay, I like that pick a lot. I would say the last team I've done a – my league with was the Lakers. Uh, I think once they got knocked out, I'm like, okay, let's see what I could have done. Yeah, I got LeBron in his fifth ring. It, it wasn't that hard, as it turns <laughs> out. Um, but hey, you know, who, who, who am I? Uh, who, who, who am I? Um, Your brag right now is honestly disgusting. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's, you know, as it turns out, it wasn't that difficult. You know, I've had teams where getting a chip is tough, like the New York Knicks who I think honestly would compete with the Cavaliers as a, you know, a start today team with, but I mean, yeah, the Cavs are fun. You know, it's, it's easy. I just can't wait for like Mobley to actually have like his face scan in because they don't do that with the rookies and that it's like, it's close, but it's weird. You know what I mean? Like there's the the 3% graphical difference that occurs with that bugs me. I totally okay, agree. I like those awards. I, man, you're really, you're setting the bar here for for future guests being stuck having to come up with 2K <laughs> league <laughs> level awards. I mean, you kind of set the bar for yourself as being the best my league guy out there. So now everybody's oh, got to nice. come at you and try to get the LeBron his fifth chip. We'll see. We'll see. I may have to do that after we get off the pod. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, but like, but like before we, I, I feel like we're getting close to wrapping up here. So with that my league take, I kind of want to add on to it. Like the future, the future for Cleveland, man. Like we have expiring deals, we have young players with potential, we have all stars that are under twenty three, which is or twenty four, which is absolutely bonkers. We have a generational talent at twenty years old. Uh, like, what could what would, could you do? Like, if you wanted to make some trades and trade some unload some picks, we have a lot of draft picks. We have built up capital, you know, over the years and kept it. You know, because we weren't moving, we were just being terrible. So it's like the like Kobe Altman really has it out for himself in the next couple of years. Like, does he just be conservative? Is he aggressive? Is he trying to like Isaac Okoro, Colin Sexton, are these guys you may want to trade? Uh, Laurie Markinen making eighteen million dollars, a very tradable contract, expiring in deals with Levert and and Love. Like, it, there's so many decisions that have to be made. It's it's partially scary and partially exciting. I got to say. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a bit of both. I think it's mostly exciting because it is a challenge. I, I think uh, my three bullet points of Kobe Altman and Co's offseason. Number one, take care of your draft picks. You know, don't be afraid to trade them, but take care, which I mean, sounds basic and obvious, but. When you're a small market team, you have to take more care with your draft picks. And I know this team is on the threshold of being, you know, the playoffs, but don't pull a Sacramento. Don't don't throw don't start throwing them away for moderate improvement. Second bullet point, don't be afraid to let Karis Levert walk. Uh, I hate saying that because when he was in Brooklyn, I was fairly high on Levert as a playmaker. Like I really thought he could be a great, you know, how I am with combo guards, yeah, a great like six, five combo guard, primarily focusing in high pick and roll driving kick offense. You know, I thought good finisher around the rim. I, I certainly felt that way in Brooklyn. 
you know, with the shot creation value, you know, having that midi occasionally three ball if he catches fire. And that player has a ton of value. However, that's not the Karis Levert you got for the games he played this season. The concept is nice, though. Right. The concept is a player everyone and their mom wants to have on the team. But it's easier said than done. And I think you have to you have to be willing to look at the trade. If he walks, if the bag comes Levert's way, that's too big. You have to be willing to let it go. You know, Twitter, the media, the fans will rip you if that happens and say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you just traded for this dude last season and let him walk. You have to realize that a big contract that will be tougher to trade if he gets it. That's too big for you. It's too big for you. You have to be smart and let it walk. Uh, And the third one is don't be afraid to let Mobley have some offensive responsibility. When you're looking at getting guys this offseason, you know, for sure, look at your wings, you know, look at uh, a shooting guard, because I don't think Sexton will be a part of this team moving forward. We shall see. See, most people from, you know, my side of things, the the number one part is is take care of Sexton, get him on the team because he's he is he has said in his uh, closing interview that he wants to be in Cleveland. Not a lot of people say that. That's <laughs> I know, but a lot of players say I want to be in X, Y, and Z city. And they say that because they want the payday that comes with it. And I'm not saying Sexton saying that. I'm just saying I've heard, you know, we've heard it before, right? Okay. Um, okay. Fair, fair. And I think, and I'm a big Sexton guy, you know, I look at him and I see six, one when he curls his hair up a six, two shooting guard, Next to a Darius Garland, who has a lot of repetitive qualities, slightly better score, just simply just not just not in the same ballpark as a facilitator and passer, Uh, at least not yet. I think Sexton, I'll give him the slightest of edges on the defensive end, but neither one of uh, him or Garland are winning any contest. But going back when it comes to the offseason, look for your guards. But if you can't find, you know, that what Levert was supposed to be. You can't find that great partner next to Garland. Don't be afraid to have Mobley take on some responsibility on an offensive end and surround Garland with Isaac Okoro getting more PT or you know, a three and D guy that can play next to Garland when an Allen or Mobley is sitting and mm. just adds a little bit of depth. Don't be afraid of it. You, you don't need to find you know the plug and play guy immediately. If it's there. Awesome. If not, don't be afraid of it because Mobley needs to grow in the offensive end, and we both think he can. So sophomore season, why not give him the chance? I couldn't agree more with that last take. If if Mobley makes an offensive leap, and I think that we both could think that he has like offensive potential that is, you know, I don't want to say unfathomable because I feel like I've said way too many crazy things about him. But like between the playmaking and the and the the, the fact that he's taken threes and like we know he can score around the rim. Like he can, he can be a you know an all-around offensive player. He just has to put it together. I I agree. Only way to do it is give him some responsibilities. Yeah. No. I, and I think, I think the there is a great future ahead. I just think we've seen a couple of teams, you know, first with Sacramento fighting for the play-in, which is just man. Whenever I get a Sacramento person on here, it's just going to turn into a slight slander session, and wait, they just got to Sacramento. Sacramento people, you ha- you know them. You you. <laughs> I know of them. I I don't have too many. I don't have like close ties yet. You okay. know, I want to have representatives. You know, in some way, shape, and form of every NBA team. But needless to say, Sacramento 
fans are tough to come by. I agree. Uh, Hobo Johnson, the borderline hip hop artist, is uh, he's he's a second <laughs> borderline hip hop artist. I had to think about it. I'm like, who the heck is that? I'm like, oh my goodness. Wait, he's isn't he like in Phoenix or something? Isn't he from Arizona? He's from no, he leaves from Sacramento. Hobo Johnson. He's uh oh. he's like he's had a really he had a solid debut album. My fiance Taylor's a big fan of him. I, I, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, as far as like his quality of music, in my opinion, but I do remember he made a song called Demarcus Cousins and Ashley, and it was about his love for his ex girlfriend and Demarcus Cousins, oh and goodness. it was a it was a definitely a real thing. So yeah, wow. Okay, I'll have to reach out. Maybe he'll be my uh my team rep for Sacramento. But the team I'm actually scared for is going, and they've already made a move that I disagree with, and that's the Charlotte Hornets. You know, firing James Borrego. They got scared because, you know, they missed the playoffs, lost in the play in back to back years. Relax. Your team's young. You had no real center. Don't do any other stupid stuff. But I'm afraid they're going to. And I already trust Cleveland's front office uh, as as do you. Uh, I just don't want to see them do something like that. I think Charlotte's going to shoot themselves in the foot and put themselves like two years behind when they could be a playoff team basically with the same exact roster plus the center in the offseason and they're going to be an eight seed next season but now they're back no yeah. i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead no 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 i was just gonna say now they're looking for a new head coach and i've had to read you know post about lavar ball putting his name in there so <laughs> wait really that's out there that's a rumor that's great i love I, that people have the cojones <laughs> to throw that out there that's such to take yeah i know it's i mean it's twitter what do you what do you expect obviously there's no confirmed reports yet but yeah, no, NBA Twitter is uh is quite a place to say the least, but it's hilarious to see actual media members use it so much. It's it's a great time. Like, you know, shout out to JJ Reddick for responding to NBA Twitter on ESPN on a regular basis. Like that's just hilarious. Yeah, I mean, like he's kind of part of this new era, right? Of like analysts that are socially like competent when it comes to like these devices and Instagram, Twitter maybe not TikTok as much, but like, you know, things that he could communicate with the fan base also got a shout out from LeBron the other day. Good for him on Twitter. I mean, yeah, LeBron's it's true. Been, LeBron's been Twitter crazy since he's been home and bored. It's, <laughs> it's like kind of insane. The, <laughs> the, the dude went zero dark 30 for like seven off seasons. And now he's making up for lost time. He's so bored. This is how, you know, he's almost out. He's just finding so much more fun on Twitter. He has to take a break though. Right. I mean, the guy a Twitter break or a retirement break. No, like a break from just like working out, like just sit oh, down, geez, watch basketball, know. but he's studying. We all know LeBron studying. So that's, you know, different topic, different day, but you know, good for JJ Reddick and a shout out from LeBron of all people on Twitter. It would crack me up so much if, uh, LeBron rejects the inside NBA crew constantly and just shows up on JJ Reddick's pod. Like, he said he would do it, right? Yeah. Didn't he? Those are the I know. Combo? I know he did. He did. And that's that's what I'm saying would be terrific. Uh, but I mean, I don't think LeBron will ever stop working out. Like my latonal agenda has to be pushed. If you got like an in-house gym sponsorship at the oh, yeah. age of what, 37, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, nah, he's not. I mean, Co remember when Kobe had like a two week break and they were calling him like thick Mamba because yeah. the dude like actually ate a cheesecake for the first time in 25 years. And then he's like, all right, I'm gonna go back to the gym and lose like 45 pounds. That's going to be LeBron. 
Yeah, NBA Twitter is is LeBron's cheesecake. <laughs> LeBron's cheese. Oh my! All right, that's the clip. I'm sorry. The the veal bicker staff is getting subsided for LeBron cheesecake. Um, oh, that's oh, great. Man. Oh, that's terrific. Okay. All right, uh, Cody, man, thank you so much uh, for coming on for another episode. Yeah, uh, you'll be back in the future. It's it's only a matter of time. Uh, anything you want to plug or shout out uh, as we wrap up here? So I've I've realized with with you know LeBron cheesecake references comparing JB Bickerstaff to to a veal cutlet and all this stuff I feel like I got some good stuff and you know before we I had the podcast game going on you and I started with this three man weave thing which has fallen into like the deep dark basement of of Spotify and Apple I am uh, I I am I don't have anything set and planned like to ready for like a shout out or an announcement, but I am going to get back into podcasting very, very soon. I've been hey. writing up some stuff. I, uh, I definitely want to be a part of NBA, uh, the NBA conversation, but I kind of want to broaden it out. Uh, just having some fun. I think that, you know, between my friends, myself, I think I could be a part. It's just, just a hobby just to produce content. And I just think that, uh, We'll, we'll be you'll be hearing my voice out there in the world soon and i'll have more details to come very shortly but texas man i anytime you need me give me a call i'll come on even on the shortest of notices brother uh well i appreciate that man uh well i'll plug uh, the twitter now and in the description as well you know at cody cronin four on twitter uh be sure to follow that follower account i mean you put in a great baked excuse of the original one got hacked, so you need a new one. But we can boost that follower count uh, because <laughs> you'll be tweeting just as much as I am. Well, hopefully not just as much as I am. I've, I've been living on the, the app when it comes to the NBA playoffs. But yeah, uh, yeah you're disgusting. <laughs> I, I know, dude. It's it's I, I just man, it's you know, it's growing. It's growing. It's it's for the brand. Um, yeah, but no, it, more content coming. I'm excited to hear about that. And likewise, whether it's the three man weave or some iteration of film pod which is something we talked about uh numerous times more than happy to be a part of that so thank you so much for the time i appreciate it yep all right and that will do it for not just dribble thanks again everyone for tuning in catch you next time